Hello and welcome to Ask the Expert, a daily series from 8.30 till 9am every morning to help small businesses. Ask any questions in the comments or you can send them by direct message or on Twitter by using the hashtag QBATE. If you need any more advice, please do join the official Intuit QuickBooks SMB community group on Facebook. Accountants and business experts are on hand 24-7. During the live session, we will be running a poll So do engage with it and I'll reveal the results in the end. And in fact, spoiler alert, why don't I just share with you what the poll is about today? Uh, We're going to be asking you for your opinion and I'd like a snap opinion. Do you believe that it's more important to have a great idea or great execution in a business? So if you can please vote on that poll on the social channels, that would be amazing. And I will share with you at the end what everybody comes up with. So let's start. Some of you would have um, you know, heard me speak before on these sessions. Some of you might have even sent a question in before. Uh, but for those of you that don't know me, I'm Carl Reader. I um, serve as chair of DT, which is a firm of chartered accountants. I was involved in a management buyout in that business and have taken it from a team of eight through to a multi-million turnover firm. I've um, been involved in several other businesses as well, either as an investor, as a partner, as a founder, as an advisor. I've done pretty much everything and sat on all sides of a table. Uh, With some other hats on, I'm an author. So I've written two books already, The Startup Coaching Franchising Handbook. And my third book, Boss It, is due for release just in about a month's time. It's coming out on 3rd of October in the UK. 27th October in the US. So if you haven't done already, get your pre-order in. It would be amazing to see as many of you have that book in your hands as possible. Um, I also serve as Chair Practitioners Panel ACCA, as a brand ambassador for a few brands, and um, generally as a small business advisor, columnist, commentator. um, I regularly feature in the media, providing my opinion on small business. And my opinion has been um, very much formed by the way that I got into business, which was by accident. You know, I didn't set out like most people to um, to either be an entrepreneur or to um, set up a business or even work in the corporate world. You know, when I was at school, I actually had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, Quite honestly, what I wanted to do was to have fun. I went to an all-boys school, so I wanted to go out and girls, um, have some alcohol before I was 18, the usual things. Um, That path led me to a point where I actually decided that it was a good idea to leave school before my GCSEs. Um, I did that. I started a YTS, a youth training scheme, um, apprenticeship in hairdressing, really didn't go too well and fell into the world of accountancy. Realized that I was a square peg in a round hole in accountancy. Um, I enjoyed speaking to people. I enjoyed getting out of the office. I enjoyed um, selling, I enjoyed marketing, I enjoyed the creative side of things. You know, hairdressing really would have been a better career for me than accountancy. Uh, But I stood out like a sore thumb and managed at a very early age to get away from doing the numbers to actually building an accounting firm. Um, Built that up and the rest, as they say, is history. Now, in my journey, there's been a number of times where I've had to balance up that question that was in the poll. of what what is more important? Is it a good idea or good execution? And I will share with you some of my experiences and opinions on this. Um, But for me, I would say they're equally important. Now, I acknowledge that there's probably no answer on the poll for equally important. However, that is how I see it. The challenge that I see in many businesses 
is particularly for high growth startups that are looking for funding, they tend to focus on the idea, on the concept. So in, in the business plan, in the pitch deck, in the mindset of the entrepreneur, there is no better idea in the world. You know, there's a product market fit. They can see um, a route towards traction and then in turn a route towards generating revenue. They can see how they can absolutely destroy their market. But the problem that you find, and we found this ourselves with a business that we started to take through the early fundraising stages, um, and it was a business that I was actually a co-founder of, is that without traction, it's almost impossible to raise funds you know we see in the news stories about businesses raising huge amounts of money with um no monetization yet or potentially loss making but the reality is that underneath the surface when you scratch away the headlines you can see that actually there's a whole load of traction and a clear path towards revenue and then at the point that they reach let's say series a funding there is a huge amount of revenue. It's just that the money they're putting into um, to drive further growth is higher than the amount they're making. So it is really important to make sure that you have the action, but also there's very little point in taking action without a clear path to a strong idea and a strong, unique selling proposition. And this is the problem that most smaller businesses that aren't looking for funding fall into. They do what they've always done. They fall into the same old traps of just being busy, but without necessarily having a plan, having a strategy, having tactics, and they don't know where they're going to get to. And there's one way to guarantee that you're not going to get to where you want to get to. And that's by just um, pounding away on a path, but you don't know where that path leads. So that's my opinion on it. But I would really love to, to hear your views, whether you believe it's the idea or the implementation that's most important in a business. But that's enough about my um, ideas, I guess. I'm actually now going to turn to some of the questions and answers that have come in. And this first one is actually carried over from the last session. So it was one that I acknowledged, but I couldn't answer at the end of a session. So I would love to answer it now. And it's from um, Jared, who sent it in through Facebook Messenger uh, last Friday. So, Jared, thank you so much if you're listening to this. Um, I really do hope you understand we ran out of time last time. And Jared asks um, two questions. First question, do I miss speaking on stage in front of people? And do I think I'll be able to do that soon again? And secondly, what's my best advice when speaking in front of an audience? I have my first speaking gig soon. Um, so, Jared, first things first, I really do hope that your speaking gig didn't fall between um, Friday and now. So hopefully this will be worthwhile. Um, to answer your very first question, do I miss speaking on stage in front of people? Absolutely, 110% yes. However, um, I'm going to caveat that answer. And my caveat is actually prompted by a post on LinkedIn by one of my good friends, Martin Bissett. Uh, where he was talking about the challenges of public speaking, because it's a double-edged sword. The hour in which you speak is an amazing burst of energy, of adrenaline. It's um, For me, I feed off of other people's energy, so it's fantastic. However, on the flip side, the stuff that goes around a speaking slot can be, um, first of all, quite testing for my personality, and secondly, can have quite some impact on personal life. So I guess if I, if you just humor me for a minute or so, I'll share with you some of the challenges of, of preparing for a speaking slot. 
but also some of the challenges of actually doing this stuff as well, because it's not as glamorous as it seems. Um, I heard a good rule of thumb that for every hour of content, you should do seven hours of preparation. Now, I don't subscribe to that. However, speaking is not just about the delivery on stage. It's about the content. It's about the path you take the audience through. And it's a challenge to always keep your material up to date. So um, whilst there is time that goes in, I don't necessarily spend seven hours crafting a speech because I do this quite often. Um, I know my subjects inside out and I have a general idea of the strategies that I would use to plan a talk. Um, however, I have to spend a lot of time looking for new ideas, new concepts to keep it fresh because this is, um, I guess, a trade secret, but I will share it with you. As a speaker, once you've done a talk 10, 20, 30 times, you get very bored of the same words. You get very bored of the sound of your own voice. Even me, someone who loves the sound of their own voice, you find that you get tired of it before the audience do. So it's a constant mission to stay fresh, to stay on top of it, and to make sure that if there is somebody new in the audience, that you've got something new for them, even if it's just the day after. So that's one of the challenges. Secondly, there's a challenge with um, the logistics and the general fluff that goes around speaking as well. So you asked if I've got any slots soon. I'm speaking in Paris in October, all being well, and Florida in November. So there are a couple of things lined up. However, they are nowhere near as glamorous as it sounds. You know, if I heard somebody talk about going to Paris for a speaking slot, I'd be thinking of croissants and the Eiffel Tower and all of this stuff, and it's not like that at all. Uh, Florida, likewise, I'd be thinking of Disneyland, and I'd be thinking about sunshine. But the reality is, you fly into an airport, you um, jump into a taxi to, to the conference hotel. When you get to the conference hotel, you are on duty from that point, right the way through to the point that you leave. So whilst you're only working for an hour, in some people's eyes, on the flip side, you're on duty from, let's say, the moment you wake up, seven o'clock in the morning through to 10 o'clock at night. You are um, on duty. People will know you in the lobby. They will come up, they'll speak to you, but you won't necessarily know them. So you're on duty, but you're off duty because you haven't actually got much to do. So it's a really strange situation in that you're working as hard as you ever have done um, together with a, um, a climax where you deliver your slot but you're not doing too much, but you need to be there. You need to be present. You need to be an ambassador for the um, company that's hosting you. So it's a it's a tricky one, but on balance, I do miss it because I feed off of the energy. What is my best advice? So it's really hard for a first one, Jared, because I don't know you personally, but here are some top tips that I would give you for speaking. First of all, understand what your audience wants to achieve from it, not what you want to say. That would be the critical point that I would say. So make sure that your content is focused to those who are listening rather than to um, satisfy the message that you want to get out there. Secondly, make sure that you have a clear and logical path for your content. Now, I tend to break my content down into three points. Um, often the you know, I would look at something like the why, the what, and the how, or something like that. But what it does, it gives you a convenient structure that you can break down your slot. So for a 60-minute slot, you can break it down to three 20-minute sections, 45 minutes, three 15 minutes, half an hour, three 10 minutes. It works really well. And it gives you an idea in your mind of whether you're on track. It allows you to shift your content around. The third um, tip that I would give 
is to make sure that you do not overscript. Some people will write it out word for word. The challenge with that is that if you write your content out word for word, you will feel flustered if you trip up and you miss something that you wanted to say. And here's the spoiler. Nobody knows what you were going to say. So if you miss a point or a fact or a statistic, no one cares. So they would be my um, key tips. But over and above all of that, enjoy the moment. Because most people, when listening to a talk, are thinking, do you know what? I'd far rather be sat here than stood on stage or stood behind that webcam. So Jared, best of luck. Drop me a message. Let me know how you get on. I would love to hear how you do. Next question is from Drew from Twitter, direct message. What are three things you wish someone had told you about being an entrepreneur? So really good question. I'm going to think on my feet here, Drew. The three things that I wish somebody had told me uh, before starting out running a business. First thing, it's not as easy as it looks. We have the perception when we're in an employed mindset that it's really easy, that the money flows in and it's, you know, it's um, posh food and fast cars and all of this stuff. And the reality couldn't be further from the truth. It's a lot of hard work. The great thing about being an entrepreneur is that you can choose which 18 hours per day that you work. The second thing that I wish somebody had told me is that you don't need to know everything. The art of being a great entrepreneur is hiring some amazing people around you so that you can set the path, you can set the vision, and you can let your team get on with it. The third thing that I wish that people had told me about being an entrepreneur is that the most vital thing is to ensure that you have complete balance. Now, as an entrepreneur, it's very difficult to get work-life balance. Um, Work-life for a business owner isn't the same as work-life for anyone else. There's no such thing as starting at nine, finishing at five. There's no such thing as um, leaving the emails behind because work and life tend to become intertwined. However, that is just inherent in the personality of most business owners. Instead, you need to find other ways to find balance. You need to force time in your diary for exercise, for relaxation. You need to um, you need to make sure that you prioritize all of the areas in your life, your relationships, your family, um, spirituality, if you're so inclined. You need to make sure that you um, force those time slots into your diary so that they um, don't get neglected. There's a great tool called the Wheel of Life, which um, the Wheel of Life sets out the balance and you rank yourself in certain areas between between one and 10. Most business owners are um, you know, really high in certain areas, you know, achievement and possibly financially, um, but they'll be really low in others. And the key to the wheel of life is having a smooth wheel. Whether it's at one, whether it's at three, whether it's at five, whether it's at 10, you don't want a bumpy ride. Um, I explain more about this in my book, Boss It, but it's really important that you make sure that you have some form of balance. Next question, Francesca from Instagram. Francesca, thank you so much. Due to the last couple of challenging months, I'm now a newbie in the freelance world, which is both scary and exciting. What are your top tips for finding new clients? Francesca, thank you so much for messaging this in. It's really difficult right now. Um, There are a lot of what I would call almost accidental business owners, accidental entrepreneurs, whether it's um, whether it's through choice and the decision has been made, you know, what what the hell? I might as well just go and do this. What, what's the worst that can happen? Um, to those who have decided to do it while on furlough, to those who have been made redundant. So there's a number of people now who are entering the small business space. And 
I think at the moment we're going through a really difficult stage, Francesca. So I do empathise with you in that so many small businesses are competing for noise. They're competing for attention. And it's all at the same time. We went through a couple of months of nobody selling at all to everybody being in full on sales mode. So what would I suggest to you, Francesca? I think that the most important thing when it comes to um, winning work, which is ultimately what we're doing here, um, and in particular, winning work as a freelancer, is that people are buying from you, not a brand name that you might have um, decided to set up for yourself. Now, I don't know what you do, Francesca, so I'm going to create a fictional example. Let's say that you are an IT consultant and um, your business name is um, IT Solutions Limited, for example. The reality is that nobody's doing business with um, IT Solutions Limited. They're doing business with Francesca. So as much as possible, you need to be getting yourself in front of potential clients. And this might sound scary in the post-COVID world, but you need to find opportunities for meeting people face-to-face wherever you can. Now, the great thing is that not many people are doing this right now, and we are societal beings, and there are some people who are jumping at the chance to meet people face-to-face. So reach out to people, and rather than trying to offer Zoom calls and hiding behind a keyboard, offer coffees, go out, meet people, break bread, and um, you know, see the whites of their eyes. I can guarantee you that only 1% of freelancers will be doing that right now. And that will stand you over and above everybody else to the 10% who just want to get things moving again. I think you need to remember that on the flip side, as as difficult as it is to find work, there are also companies who have downsized and perhaps will be looking for more flexibility in their workforce. So you've got a great opportunity ahead. So best of luck. And again, Francesca, and in fact, everybody who's asked a question, reach out to me, send me a DM and just let me know how you get on with it all. Jonna, um, message from Facebook. Um, I've been approached by another company that wants to buy my company and I plan to make an exit in a few years, grow my company to at least double to make more pounds. How would you debate with yourself around this? I'm baffled right now as it's not a bad offer, but my gut feeling is telling me I should wait. So this is where I rip up the business rule book and tell you that gut feel goes a hell of a long way. Often, if you get a gut feel, it's really worth validating that logically to to understand why your gut feeling is that way. But let me share with you, I guess the thought process that I would go through if I was offered to to sell my company. So, you know, I, I get Offers, and certainly my core business, I get offers um, at the moment, it feels like two, three times a week from brokers looking to buy it. I could cash out and um, being very honest and not wanting to be boastful, um, take more money than I ever would have imagined, um, you know, as a as a kid who left school before GCSE, you know, it, it would be the kind of money that set people up for life. So I could do that. However, I choose not to, and I actually choose to ignore these advances. Now, why do I do that? As entrepreneurs, you have conviction of where you're going. And to achieve the optimum sale price, it has to be a planned process. You wouldn't sell a home or a car without doing some work beforehand. You know, If you're going to sell your car privately, you would make sure that you give it a wash and you spray some air freshener and all of that stuff to, to make it attractive for sale. 
if you're going to sell your home, you would mow the lawn and you'd paint your walls and you would do all the stuff that you would expect to do to make the house or the car as attractive as possible. When it comes to a business, that stuff takes time. And generally, it takes two to three years because your sole focus when selling a company is to bring it to a saleable position. You want to make sure that you strip out any surplus costs, you maximize profitability, you um, you make it as turnkey as possible so it's not reliant on you so that you can just hand it to somebody. That is what gives you a true exit value. And the likelihood is that no matter how well you've been running your business, there will be improvements that can be made. So what I would suggest is that you should use offers as a catalyst to your thought process to decide whether or not you should sell. And if you decide that you want to sell, then come up with a strategy as to how you're going to sell, what the number is that you want, and how you're going to get there. Um, this then becomes quite detailed because you need to look at the metrics in your business and how you're going to turn the dials to hit those numbers, what, what steps you're going to take. But it's a good process to go through, even if you don't sell at the end, because you will have a better business at the end, whether you sell or not. So best of luck with this. I think that use this as a catalyst to put into place some more logical thinking and um, create some how-to scenarios of how you would potentially sell. Um, but you're probably right that the first offer is not the right offer to take. And if you've got the conviction that you can double your business, then all of the best to you. You know, that is the spirit of entrepreneurship that this country needs. Next question is Aaron from Facebook. Aaron, um, hi, Carl. I've pre-ordered your new book and can't wait. Aaron, thank you so much. Would you say you prepare differently for online content delivery as opposed to public speaking? So it, they're two very different things, I would say. So yes, um, I think that online, it's a much tougher battle for attention because when you're face-to-face and I can see your eyeballs and vice versa, you would be less tempted to have um, Slack open on one screen and your email open on another and to be tapping away. And the problem with online conferences is that you probably get maximum 20 30% attention, whereas in the room you get about 70% because you still will have distractions from mobile pings, but it's a whole lot more immersive. So I, I think there is a difference, and the difference is to try and find different ways to engage the audience whilst delivering content online. However, um, the actual content itself can be very similar. So the differences are more about how you use tone of voice, um, how you use interaction, if there are slides and so on. You, know, you need to make it a whole lot more immersive than you do in person, because in person, you can naturally create a sense of interactivity and immersion by, you know, I do simple things like jumping down and walking around the, around the audience if um, the venue permits. Um, in fact, yeah, there's images of me sat down on stage looking exceptionally lazy, but you can, um, you can adapt using stagecraft how you position yourself and um, the stuff that you do with your body to make it more immersive, which you just can't do sat down behind a camera. So there is differences, but it's not in the words. It's not in, um, not necessarily in the delivery vocally, um, but it's in the steps that you need to take to um, to really create an online atmosphere that can get anywhere near in person. So I hope that helps, Aaron. Um, Claudia from Twitter. Hi, Carl. I'm a PhD student. And I want to tutor programming online while I go to school. Where would be best to advertise? So. 
For this one, Claudia, I would suggest building a really strong personal brand because the tuition will be one-to-one, even if it's delivered one-to-many. So build a strong personal brand. Um, I would be looking at something like Claudia Vakoda or something like this. You know, make sure that you have a gimmick that can catch people in. Make sure that you have some very strong snippets on video. And I'd be focusing 110% on online, short video, perhaps even TikTok. You know, things like this where you can really stand out from the crowd and make sure that you're the bit of you, the personality of you that's different from every other PhD student comes out. Rihanna from Twitter. Rihanna, um, good morning. It'll be interesting to know who you look up to in business and why. Do you know, this is an amazing question because I don't subscribe to the, you know, the looking up to the Richard Bransons and the Lord Sugars and so on, but that are often quoted. Who do I look up to? Um, quite honestly, Rihanna, this sounds very cheesy. I look up to anybody who makes the jump to go from a safe nine to five guaranteed salary into doing their own thing. Whether it's, um, you know, whether it's a plumber, whether it's an electrician, right the way through to the likes of Alan Sugar and so on. So I, I wholeheartedly look up to anybody who decides to take control of what they do. That might sound cheesy, but it is such a huge step to go from the comfort zone that we have ingrained in us. You know, as we're growing up, we're told to get a safe nine to five job. We're told to get a career for life. We're told stuff like this. And actually, that's not necessarily the way forwards for all of us and our personalities. So anybody who makes that step, I look up to. Now, we've got our poll results in. So we asked, what is more important, your idea or the execution of the idea? 40% of the idea, 60% said the execution. Now, I do have a slight preference, but I share it in my book. So pre-order Boss It, it's available at http colon forward slash forward slash that's the boring bit carl c-a-r-l dot two forward slash book so have a look at that carl dot two forward slash book i talk in that book about my model for businesses and how to make businesses work i talk about the dream plan do review process and you can say that the ideation and the implementation are the dreaming and the doing so i go into those in far more detail And there is one step where business owners tend to fall down on. So have a look. I would love to share that with you. Any questions, please do get in touch with the QuickBooks support team on Facebook. Or you can reach out to me. I've got a Bossit small business community. Um, You can also find me on all social media platforms at Carl Reader or www.carlreader.com. Now, it's my absolute um, and sincere pleasure to say that coming up on Ask the Expert tomorrow is business strategist and all-round disruptor Katan Makwana. He's been working on business growth and strategic management for over 20 years. Um, But look, I'm going to steer off um, script here because I've got a paragraph to talk about Katan, but Katan's a good friend of mine. And I wholeheartedly recommend each and every one of you tune into his show tomorrow. Um, In 2011, he founded Enterprise Lab as a response to the emerging skills gap in enterprise and industry. However, what he hasn't shared here is before that, he actually founded Rockstar Mentoring, who I'm sure many of you have heard about. He's been an advisor to the Prime Minister on small business. This guy is an absolute legend. He um, He's trying to grow his beard to outgrow mine, so um, you'll see how, how poorly he's doing at that. 
But look, Ketan is a great guy and he's got an amazing way of taking complex business subjects and simplifying them for anybody. So he's a dear friend of mine. I would love you to check that out. A reminder, if you need any more advice, please do join the official Intuit QuickBooks SMB community group on Facebook. Accountants and business experts are on hand 24-7. So thank you all for tuning in this morning. Have a fantastic day.